you're listening to a Pave Media show. Visit pavemedia.net for more podcasts and video entertainment. So, John, I mean, I'm, I'm running short on questions this week. I don't really want to ask this one, so I don't really want the answer, but what's your most dangerous liaison? My most dangerous liaison? I once had sex in a forest with a guy who turned out to be quite, quite mad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, was this man John Malkovich? Yes, yes it was. <laughs> Some films are fine just the way they are Other films sometimes take way too far But really how, how could it get? Let's go beyond Beyond the box set Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where you pitch prequels, sequels and spin-offs to films that don't have any. I'm Harry, joining me as always is John. Bonjour. And this week, because we're in a Glenn Close season, um, we're doing Dangerous Liaisons. Dangerous Liaisons. I can tell from the tone of your voice that you really like this one. Mm, yeah? yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think of it? Have you I seen re- it before? Yeah, I have. I really, really like this film. Mm-hmm. And watching it back, I enjoyed it just as much. Yeah. I had forgotten how campy and silly this film is in places. I remember this as being like entertaining but quite serious. Watching it back this time, I was like, oh no, this is a comedy. This is a funny film. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I enjoyed it even more on that level. Mm-hmm. Well, what, okay. From your eyes, I'm guessing I'm going to get some kind of very different take on it. But what did you think? Um, did we watch the same film? Really? I think we did, yeah. Okay, okay, cool. I found this to be potentially, probably, quite likely, uh, the most boring film I've ever seen in my entire life. Really? Yeah. More boring than Yentl? Yeah. Wow, okay. Interesting. Go on. I in, very intentionally wasn't doing anything, you know, like being on my phone or something during yeah. this movie. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I needed to pay some kind of attention to it. And my God, I struggled. Really? I struggled. I, I, I was just watching it. I wasn't doing anything, but I couldn't listen to anything because it was so boring. <laughs> Well, okay. I, I I could watch what was happening. I had to have my housemate explain it to me about every ten minutes what was going on, if anything. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, there was nothing going on. It was just like, oh well, they're horny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically, um, <laughs> you could sum it up pretty pretty easily as uh, they're horny. Yeah. yeah. Other than that, I don't really. John Malkovich is a bit creepy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Glenn... what about it? Did you find boring? Just that there wasn't enough action. The script. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there, there wasn't. I mean, action's the wrong word, but just things happening. Sure. Um, you know, I'm not not looking for an action movie and everything I watched, but there, there just was nothing happening, really. Okay. I mean... There was the the occasional scene here and there. There's, like, John Malkovich convinces Uma Thurman to get a key card for her room. Like, I, I was kind of into that bit. Uh, other than that, nothing, really. No. Well, it's interesting Nothing because... really happens in this film until... Well, there's no promise of anything happening in this film mm-hmm. until the moment where John Malkovich says to Glenn Close, either you can sleep with me or we go to war. Yeah. And she's like, we're going to war. And I was like, finally! <laughs> and then the film finished. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like... <sighs> oh, my God. Like, I started this film and, you know, I got through the first five minutes or so and I was like, all right, like... They've set the scene. I, I know what sort of thing this is going to be, and I'm expecting the big sort of like boom. It's actually this kind of film, mm-hmm. and it just never changed. Okay. The tone stayed the exact same the whole way through mm-hmm. until that last ten minutes. Until the last ten minutes, yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. 
And even then, yeah. <laughs> barely anything. Just like, oh, there's a sword fight going on. And that's it. They really wrapped and, up. And he just sort of released some letters mm-hmm. to the public. Yeah. No, I would agree. It's funny because it, it does have quite a long build-up. And there was a bit in the middle where I got a little bit bored too. Oh, really? Yeah, just a touch. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, when it finally gets to the end, it really wraps up in like five minutes. It's like, yeah. like I said, it's like, it's war. And then it's like, oh, and then he's dead. Yeah. And then the film's over. <laughs> it's, it's like, I thought that, that would be like the, the second hour of the film. Mm-hmm. You know, the first hour is the build-up to the war. The second hour is the war. But mm. it's not. It's like two hours of build-up to the war. And then, oh, she won. But then she lost. Yeah. And nobody really won. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, I don't think so. We made an arrangement. I really don't think I can allow myself to be taken advantage of for a moment longer. Remember, I'm better at this than you are. Perhaps, but it is always the best swimmers who drown now. Yes or no? It's up to you, of course. I will merely confine myself to remarking that a no will be regarded as a declaration of war. single word is all that's required. All right. War. Do, do you want to do a plot summary? Before we do sequels, do you want to do a plot summary? Yeah, well, we can't just... Uh, so, end of show. It's yeah. short ever episode. <laughs> well, before I get to that, uh, obviously this is a Glenn Close mini-season. Mm-hmm. So, what did you think of Glenn Close in this movie? Boring as shit. She had fuck all to do. Did you not think she was quite kind of camping up a little bit though like chewing the scenery a bit like only she... only with her costumes and wigs okay no that was it like other than that she didn't really have anything to do in this oh i disagree i thought i loved her scheming it was all in the face there was lots of like good scheming face and like she did about one face per scene mm-hmm. and you know at the end of the film the last 10 minutes they she, she really ramped it up in you know the intensity of those faces sure 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 you know, there's yeah. the moment where she looks dead into camera and goes war mm-hmm. i was like yes uh-huh that's a delivery mm-hmm. and then like her her crying scene after that, um, when she's just like destroying a room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, when she finds out she's lost, she's lost the war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good. Mm-hmm. Other than that, she really wasn't doing very much for me. Oh, okay, I'm going to disagree with that. I I thought she was fab in this because she, it's the dialogue. She has so many great lines. Like there's a bit where John Malkovich says, "I thought your favorite word was betrayal or something," and she goes, "No, cruelty." <laughs> <laughs> It was stuff like that, just like such like flowery dialogue, mm-hmm. and um, I really liked how she was always being really insincere with people. Like she obviously, she, her and John Malkovich are constantly scheming against all the other characters, and then she she acts like this really nice person in front of like you know Swoozie Kurtz and Uma Thurman, and like. Mm-hmm. But then every time they turn their back, her face just drops. She kind of rolls her eyes, like "Ugh, these idiots!" Like I yep. loved all that. Yeah, I thought she gave great villain in this. Well, like I was trying to work out what she was. Was she the mastermind pulling the strings for everybody, mm-hmm. or? Not like I genuinely don't know because I just I don't know what happened. Were you really struggling to follow it? Was that a part of it? Extremely yeah? so because it was just so boring. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I mean, you really like the favorite, and I think this is. I think this is entirely different to the favorite. Okay, the favorite I enjoyed because it was just weird and funny. This mm-hmm. one just feels like a period drama. Where well, it just is. Yeah, people are having affairs. Yeah, well, that's what it is. It's a period drama, and we've never done one of those before. So, mm-hmm. I guess what we're getting at here is period dramas aren't your bag. No. No, okay. Well, we won't do many in the future then. Yeah. Or well, maybe we'll do loads. And you know what? I'm not doing seasons like this anymore. Actor seasons? No. Or just seasons where... No, I mean seasons where one person gets to make the whole choice, because this is not going well for me. Well, we'll get to the end, but we're taking a hard left turn next week, and I think you'll like it a lot more. You have started off really badly. Well, you know what? Battleship and Need for Speed, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was a joint season. but I didn't pick Battleship. That was a guest choice. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay. 
No, you'll you'll like the next one. I promise. Mm-hmm. We've moved away from the, the, this stuff now. Okay. Um, okay. Well, I'm sorry you, you hated it so much. I really am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've not done well to sell me on Glenn Close. Okay. Well, do you think this? Would... Did you think I was gonna like this? I was unclear. At first, I thought you wouldn't like it, mm-hmm. but then I thought when I was watching, I was like, actually, it's kind of quite fun and silly. Maybe you'll, you'll get on board with this, mm-hmm. you know. But then, evidently, not. No. I did not think you'd hate it more than Gentle. I really mm-hmm. did. I, I'm surprised that you hated it that much. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's that's fine. It's 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 all subjective. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. I'll park our um, atonement episode for the time being. Then <sighs> pride and prejudice. <laughs> you know. Like, um. Yeah. Valmont is here. You receive him, do you? Yes. So do you. Monsieur le Vicomte de Valmont, my child, whom you very probably don't remember, except that he is conspicuously charming, never opens his mouth without first calculating what damage he can do. Then why do you receive him, Maman? Uh, everyone receives him. Well, I guess I should explain the plot to you since you... Since I don't know. Since you don't know what happened. Okay, so the film takes place in 18th century France at the height of like the French aristocracy and basically all of the characters are just rich people with nothing to do mm-hmm. like none of them have anything to do mm-hmm. like none of them have jobs obviously because they're all super wealthy you know it's the 18th century there's no tv or anything to do so literally all they can do is gossip yeah their entire lives are just oh let's gossip and get married and shag around and that's pretty much all we got mm-hmm. so that's basically what the film is hence the title dangerous liaisons mm-hmm. it's also based on a book that was released in that genuinely released in the 18th century and was considered so scandalous at the time that like the queen of france had to when she ordered it in to read had to bring it in disguise as, as like a bible or something it would be scandalous <laughs> if anyone found out she was reading it right sure. so this book really was causing like a stir mm-hmm Anyway, um, it's a fictional book. It's not based on... Well, it might be based on real people, but mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a work of fiction. Yeah. Anyway, so it stars Glenn Close, of course, and John Malkovich. Mm-hmm. And they are... Well, I'm going to refer to them as Glenn Close and John Malkovich, because there's a lot of French names in this. It's just going to get confusing. Yeah. But he was Valmont, mm-hmm. and she was Mathilde, I think. Mathilde. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're both aristocrats, you know, counts... Dukes, duchesses, I don't know. Something. They're, 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 something. they're rich. The lord and lady of a house. Well, not the same house, because they're not a couple. I got they're not a couple. Did he live somewhere else? It's unclear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's unclear where he lived. He never seemed to be at home. No, no. Well, like at the start, the first thing you see of him is him getting dressed by people. Yes. And it, it's never really stated where it is. It's just in a room in a palace. Mm-hmm. And then the next scene, it's just like him and Glenn Close are having a scene together and I just assume that they're in the same house mm-hmm. yeah I feel like a lot of it's in her quarters her house whatever mm. and then all the rest of the time he's at his aunt's house mm-hmm. yeah you never really see apart from that opening scene you never really see where he is no but you do get this amazing opening scene that I think is really really good well first you get the super cheesy intro where it's like the, the note and the candlelight mm. and the titles and it's got the piano music and it's, it's it looks like a TV film Glenn Close was first billed on this yeah I really don't understand why really John Malkovich is clearly the lead and, like, she's not a supporting character, I would say. But sure. Like, it's, he definitely has more screen time. It's his story. Yeah. It's definitely his. It's not both of their story equally, which it, I think it should have been. Like, if it was more about the war that they had, mm-hmm. then it would have been. Yeah. But she didn't really have that much to do. Mm. Whereas he was just like, now nah, I'm sleeping with this person. Now nah, I'm sleeping with this person. Mm-hmm. Now nah, I want to do this. and want to do that. And here's me raping this one. Yeah. Oh, I think it was both of their stories. Mm. But, yeah, we got more time with him than with her. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Because he was, like, doing stuff, like I said, and she was, like, working all the, the angles behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like if you she gets, like, the big moments, mm-hmm. 
Even though she doesn't have many of them, she has the moments that you really remember. Or I do, anyway. I never got the impression that she was having a lot of sex. Oh, no. Until the moment she had that conversation with Uma Thurman. Mm -hmm. Just being like, yeah, you can sleep with whoever you want, however you want, wherever you want. It's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which Uma really sucks her heart. Yeah, Yeah, that that, that was funny. I enjoyed that. (laughs) But, uh, I don't know. I I had a lot of sex scene for her. A a Glenn's sex scene. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Well, I think it's quite telling that you don't get one. Mm. I think that's quite an interesting thing about her character. She definitely is having sex because it's implied that she's she's always got these lovers on the side, like she's mm, yeah. sleeping with Keanu for a bit, and she's got the other lover at the beginning. And this whole film, it all happens because she gets dumped by some guy. Mm-hmm. So John Malkovich and Glenn Close are kind of friends, frenemies, ex-lovers. They're ex-lovers, yeah. Ex-lovers, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they still have a decent, you know, the well. It's a very toxic relationship, but it works for them. Mm-hmm. They clearly still fancy their pants off each other, mm-hmm. and they're both complete bastards. They just are just evil, evil people. What do you think of their ages in this? How do you mean? Just the, the age that they both looked. Well, I think they both looked like they were probably in their late 30s, early 40s, which is what they were. I think Glenn Close would have been about 41 at this point. Because Malcolm, I th- it's probably the same. I think that Glenn Close's age in this varied wildly. Mm-hmm. It was so weird. How so? Just like sometimes look like, yeah, she could be sort of early 30s mm-hmm. sort of thing. And she looks like 56 now. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it really changed all the time. I can't say uh, if it up on that. Like, do you mean when she takes the makeup off at the end and stuff? No, no, no. Just not. from scene to scene? Yeah, just from scene to scene. Just oh, like okay. sometimes, yeah, she just look really young and everything. And yeah, I, don't know, I, I don't know if it was just a makeup thing. Because obviously her makeup changed wildly yeah. during the film as well. But mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I think the costumes probably, because she had the most diff- costume changes. Maybe some just looked a bit more frumpy than others. I don't know. Did she have the most costume changes? Because nobody ever wore the same costume in more than one scene. Well, that's true, yeah. But she had a lot. I noticed, I noticed a lot of her dresses. Mm. Well, they're all a lot more prominent. Yes. Like her, her getting out of the carriage and stuff. And... Exactly, yeah. There's lots of like, now she's wearing this fabulous outfit. Right? Mm. So, But I got the impression that they were both, yeah, what would be middle-aged in... 18th century France, mm-hmm. you know, like late 30s, early 40s. Because there's yep. the bit where, there's that funny little bit where Uma Thurman's, she's talking to Uma Thurman about the man that Uma Thurman's become betrothed to. And Uma Thurman says, how old is he? And she says, 36. And he goes, he's an old man. Yeah. And you just see Glenn's face for a moment just crack like, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how old is Uma Thurman supposed to be in this? Like 14? Oh yeah, like 12 or something. Yeah. Well, like very, like young, yeah. young, 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 yeah. She probably would... I imagine Uma Thurman was a little bit older because she's naked a lot in this film. But mm, yeah. um, I imagine the character is supposed to be like 14, 15 years old. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I hope Uma Thurman was younger than that because... Older than that. Was older than that. Sorry, yeah. I hope she was older than that because <laughs> yeah, those scenes were uncomfortable enough. Mm. Anyway, so Glenn Close and John Malkovich are these ex-lovers. He's got this horrible reputation. Everyone despises him. Like, he's got this reputation of being this cad, this rogue, this, you know, scheming, levacious sex pest, basically. Mm-hmm. And she's actually much more respected. She, it seems like people generally think she's like a really nice person. She's like this social butterfly. Everyone comes to her for advice. She holds all the fabulous parties. She goes mm-hmm. to the opera every week. Yeah. But behind the scenes, she's just as scheming if not, as he is, if not more so. Mm-hmm. And basically, she asks him to ruin Uma Thurman because she's been dumped. Glenn Close has been dumped by this guy who's now betrothed to be married to Uma Thurman. Mm-hmm. This guy never appears in the film. He doesn't matter. Right, okay. But... Yeah, so Uma Thurman is betrothed to this guy. She's never met him either. See, there's a lot of talk of people who just never turn up, which really confused me. Yeah, there's a lot of that. It's like, so she was engaged to John Malkovich or what? Or... No. Okay, I can see why this confused you. Yeah. Uh, but no, so she asks John Malkovich to seduce Uma Thurman mm-hmm. so that this guy will marry a woman who has already been, you know, is no longer a virgin, which obviously was quite important in those days. You know, mm-hmm. was considered quite important in those days. And so he agrees to do that, although he initially thinks it's going to be too easy. Mm. 
So Uma Thurman is the daughter of Glenn Close's cousin, I think. Sure. Madame de Valanges, played sure. by the great character actress Swoozie Kurtz, mm-hmm. whose name I just adore. Might as well have been called Madame de Hats mm-hmm. or Madame de Bonnet. She had some of my favourite bonnets in the whole film. Yep. Lots yeah. of good bonnet work. But yeah, so he agrees to seduce Uma Thurman, but he also tells Glenn Close about uh, another conquest he's got his eye on, which is Michelle Pfeiffer, whose character name I cannot remember. No. Madame de Fufu. I don't know. Um... <laughs> <laughs> she's this very pious, virtuous married lady, and she's—I think she's supposed to be like known throughout the land as the most pious, virtuous, you know. So it's like, okay, here's a Uma Thurman's too easy, like you mm-hmm. know. Of course, I'm going to seduce some silly teenager, but this woman, she's a real challenge. Mm. So, what will you give me if I can seduce this lady? Mm-hmm. And Glenn Close is like, well, if you can seduce her and get proof to me, then you can then have sex with me. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of their power dynamic. It's like you do this for me, and I'll. I'll, I'll let you shag me. I'll shag you. So mm-hmm. I, the, 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 there's definitely like sexy power games happen between the two of them, right. which uh, informs a lot of the film. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of sets up what happens. So then John Malkovich starts seducing, well, he does seduce Uma Thurman, mm-hmm. who also is in love with Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. Does, now, some, does someone who's vaguely the same age. Yeah. So Uma Thurman is betrothed to this much older gentleman that she's never met. So she's not very happy about it. Mm. She's just got out of a nunnery. So she's very like, or a convent school. She's very naive. And, but then she falls in love with Keanu Reeves, who's about her age and is like her music teacher. Mm. What accent do you think Keanu and Uma were going for in this film? I don't know, because nobody else was trying. No, that's it. everyone else was just like, we're American. Yeah. We're occas- Americans who occasionally speak a bit of French. Yeah. And those two were putting on something. I felt like they were from like Europea. Yeah. yeah. And I, I noticed that John Malkovich wasn't even attempting anything yeah. that wasn't his own just normal American accent. Mm. What's Glenn Close? Is she American too? Yeah, she's American. Okay. I don't think she did much accent work in this. No. I think they just obviously decided, you know, we'll just be American. Mm. But then nobody passed that note to Keanu and uh, Uma. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't believe you know my cousin, Madame de Valange. This is Chevalier Danceny and Madame's daughter, Cecile. Tell us what we should think of the opera. Oh, it's sublime, don't you find? Monsieur Danceny is one of those rare eccentrics who come here to listen to the music. I do look forward to our next meeting. John Malkovich pretty easily seduces Uma Thurman. Mm-hmm. It's not even really a challenge. Well, actually, that's not fair. Yeah. He doesn't seduce... <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. Wait a minute, no, that's not correct. He doesn't seduce her, he rapes her. That's actually a very different thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, what I mean is that she doesn't put up much of a... Oh, no, that sounds even worse. <laughs> I'm going to edit a lot of this. And he tricks her. He tricks her, yes. Yeah, he, 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 he tricks her into... I mean, she's got to, like, carry some letters or something for him. What's going on there? She, he initially pretends he's helping her mm. because she, she's obviously in love with Keanu Reeves and they're trading romantic letters. They've got this. Ah, okay, cool. And he's like, I will help you. I will help you out of the goodness of my heart. Uma tells Glenn. Glenn tells John Malkovich. Mm-hmm. So then he swoops in. He's like, I will help you to pass letters between you and Keanu. Mm-hmm. You just need to give me the key to your bedroom and I'll bring the letters in and out and stuff. Yeah, but then so there's, tri- a whole, there's a whole switcheroo with getting yeah. different keys cut and stuff yeah. like that. This is all happening at John Malkovich's aunt's house where uh, okay. Uma Thurman is staying, as is Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. He gets the key to Uma Thurman's bedroom, breaks in, in the middle of the night. So like Uma Thurman doesn't even have the key to her own bedroom. Yes, exactly. Like she her did. mother has it. That's how much of a... Yeah, that's it. Her mum's very domineering, so mm. she's very much this, you know, naive little child who mm-hmm. doesn't understand what's going on in the world. Yeah. So John Malkovich breaks in... Pretty much rapes her. Well, rapes her. 100% rapes yeah, her, yeah. 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 But I don't know if the- and then there's quite a distressing scene afterwards of Uma Thurman telling Glenn Close about mm. it, 
and Glencoris is like, well, did he force himself on you? And she's like, well, no. And just, she can't find the words to say that, yeah. like, I wasn't okay with it, even though she kind of let him do all the things just because of, I guess, power struggle sort of thing. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's quite an interesting scene. So he has no trouble with that, but he finds it much harder to seduce Michelle Pfeiffer's character mm-hmm. because she has been warned about him. Someone is writing her Oh, and letters. by the way, that's when Uma Thurman, when she's talking to Glenn Close, Glenn Close says, oh, you can just have sex with whoever you want, wherever you want, whenever you want. It's great fun. Mm-hmm. And then Uma Thurman's like, ooh. Yeah. Oh, I did, I, you know what? I'm going to have sex with John Malkovich. I like it now. And, I, and I'm going to enjoy it. And then she's instantly into it. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a so weird like it's, it's, turn. It's, it's, it's rape turned into infatuation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, because it, it seems like she's quite traumatised by the experience. But then when Glenn's like, you know, you could do it all the time. She's like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, it can be okay, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that happens. John Malkovich finds out that somebody is writing letters to Michelle Pfeiffer, warning her that he's a big bastard, basically. Mm-hmm. And so with the help of his personal assistant... Played by... Peter Capaldi. So you must have enjoyed that, surely? Peter Capaldi? I I clocked it instantly. Uh Saw his face and I was like, is that Peter Capaldi? And then the scene later, he's actually talking and just like, oh my God, it is. Mm -hmm. Would you look at that? Also, he was putting on an accent. Like he was putting on a Scottish accent that wasn't his. Oh, really? I I thought he was just doing his Scottish accent. His accent is nowhere near that strong. Or in Doctor Who, it's not, at least. Okay. He's Scottish in that. Well, he maybe turns it down for Doctor Who. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Why would they be Scottish? Why would the French people's assistants be Scottish? I don't know. I didn't write it. No, I just thought it was obviously a choice for them to not ask the unless, his, unless his accent has just changed over the course of, you know, 50 years or whatever it is. Um, which 50 years. I mean. <laughs> he looks old. <laughs> <laughs> this film came out in 1988, so 30 years ago? 31 years ago. Okay, sure, whatever. Well, I, I enjoy Peter Picardi in this film. Capaldi? Mm-hmm. Capaldi. I enjoyed his... I think he has some of the best wigs. I didn't really clock his wigs, but I did clock his monobrow. His monobrow was quite something, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. So he was fun. So, because Peter Gowaldi is sleeping with Michelle Pfeiffer's PA maid, you know, lady. Sure. And John Malkovich... Didn't didn't clock that. And John Malkovich... Well, he, thought, he walks in on them, remember? He, yeah, I, mean, I didn't know who that was. I thought it was just a random woman. You know, you need to listen to the dialogue. You can't just, like... I tried, but everybody's okay. name is Madame de Pompapluse or whatever. <laughs> How am I supposed to remember anything? <laughs> Fine, fine, fair enough. Anyway, with the help of Peter Capaldi, he figures out that the person who's been writing all these letters to Michelle Pfeiffer about him is Uma Thurman's mum. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when he decides he's going to really ruin Uma Thurman. Mm-hmm. He's like, fine, I'm going to do it. I'm going to just destroy her to get revenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the, so he does that. Again, not too much of a challenge. Uh, in the meantime, he is trying to seduce Michelle Pfeiffer and she kind of, she's like, no, 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 no. But yes, no, 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 no. But Could yes. Go back a little bit to the, uh-huh. to the scene when uh, John Markovich walks in on Peter Capaldi having sex with uh, whoever. The maid, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's not really a character. She just is Michelle Pfeiffer's maid. Okay, cool. So, sorry, you just told me off for not remembering someone who's not really a character. No, but the, the, the connection was important. <laughs> okay, sure. The, the fact that it's Michelle Pfeiffer's maid. Okay. She handles Michelle Pfeiffer's letters. I wish that they, that they just said that. Like, hey, Michelle Pfeiffer's maid. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that scene, like, John Malkovich says to Peter Capaldi, just like, oh, can you just go and get me some water, meet me in my room, or whatever, something like that, just yeah. essentially leave. Yeah. And he does, ripping the quilt off, yeah. which <laughs> was just really weird. Just like, yeah. you're in bed with somebody, don't just say that you can't have any quilt. Yeah. Fully knowing that they're completely naked. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. That was, yeah. a, that was clearly done for a reason. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he, he blackmails the maid and gets all the letters. And yeah, so Michelle Pfeiffer is initially resisting to him, but then she's obviously got a bit of the hots for him. He comes on very strong. Mm-hmm. Like, 
He's not doing like seductive. He's doing creepy, mm-hmm. but it seems like it works for her. Yeah. Maybe that's like the point. I guess that was supposed to be like, she's good, but she's attracted to like bad boys. Mm. And he's, he's just not even pretending he's not a bad boy. <laughs> like he's doing a very bad job of pretending he's not a bad boy. Mm-hmm. What did you think of Michelle Pfeiffer in the film? Boring. Yeah. <laughs> is that going to answer forever? Boring. Boring. Mm. What does she do? Well, that's a good question. That's <laughs> like I, I don't, I don't really know what anybody was doing. Yeah, she, she was a bit of a wet blanket for me. It didn't, mm-hmm. it didn't really land particularly. Mm-hmm. Her whole thing is that she's like uber pure and uber good, but then mm-hmm. obviously she ends up falling for this bad boy kind of thing. But I don't know. I don't, the way she played it, it was just like she was just so. Or the way it was written is probably more. She was just so meek and mild the whole time, and. Mm-hmm. You never really got a sense of her, and I don't know. I just it made the end unrealistic for me because mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, what happened to her at the end? She died of a oh, broken yeah. heart. <laughs> sure, that's what it was. Yeah. And all the leeches and yeah. bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a cold. Cut her open her wrists. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I assume that was an STD, right? She died of an STD. She could have done maybe. I, I, I think she's supposed to have just died of a broken heart. Sure. It happened in those days. What, what, what was her heart broken from? From John Malkovich dumping her. Yeah, but she found out that she was ill when he was literally sleeping with her. Oh no, she wasn't really ill. She just she was bleeding. What? Which bit? No, that was that was Uma Thurman. That was when Uma Thurman had the miscarriage. No, she had a miscarriage. Wow. Oh my god, you you really weren't paying attention. (laughs) Hey, I tried my best. I I really did. That happened. Yes. All right. Cool. Yes. No. Michelle Pfeiffer wasn't really ill. She was just very frail and fragile all the time. And then when she gets dumped by John Malkovich, mm-hmm. she just swoons and dies of a broken heart. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, she gets sick, and then all you see all the doctors like cutting open her wrists and bleeding her out, which was like how people did. They thought that the best way to heal a sick person was to let all the bad blood out of them, which basically just meant they drained all the blood of people and they died. Mm-hmm. And they were like, "Whoops." <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, not good medical care at this time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're ahead of ourselves. When when was Uma Thurman pregnant? Was that, was that a thing ever? Yes, or was... it was a thing. That, that was a whole plot line. So because he's sleeping with Uma Thurman, mm-hmm. after a certain point, he gets her pregnant. Mm-hmm. And he tells Glenn Close that she's late. There's a whole scene about it. Nope. No, not at all. Just no. gone. Yeah. And it's like, it's like I've done what you asked me to do and more, because now I'm going to send her to this new husband, you know, sexually deflowered and pregnant with another man's baby. Mm-hmm. You never get a scene of Uma Thurman discussing it, though. You never get a sense that she... Does she know she's pregnant? Mm. I guess she must know. You never get a sense of how she feels about it, which probably is what... Maybe added to your confusion. Yeah. All you get is him telling Glenn Close that she's late, and then she has she miscarries the baby. She loses the baby. Right. Yeah. And again, you never see how she feels about losing the baby. You just He tells Glenn Close that as well. This film's not very good, is it? It's a great film, but... There's it's two very, very extreme character developments yeah, which the, just don't happen. Yeah, I, I feel like the focus is put very much on John Malkovich and Glenn Close, and a lot of the other characters don't really get to be fleshed out particularly. Mm. So, I don't think that means it's a bad film. Well, for such a big ensemble cast. True, yeah. I have a piece of news I hope you might find entertaining. I have reason to believe the next head of the house of Bastide may be a Valmont. What can you mean? Cecile is two weeks late. Aren't you pleased? I'm not sure. Your aim was to revenge yourself on Bastide. I've provided him with a wife trained by me to perform quite naturally services one would hesitate to request from a professional. And very likely pregnant as well. What more do you want? All right, Vicomte, I agree. You've more than done your duty. Shame you let the other one slip through your fingers. I let her go. 
But why? I was moved. Oh, well then, no wonder you bungled it. Michelle Pfeiffer eventually falls for him. He has to get a letter proving that he's actually sleeping with her. So he does, he says to Glenn Close, you know, I've done it, I've finally slept with Michelle Pfeiffer. And Glenn Close kind of realises that he's actually, or seems to realise that he's actually in love with Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm -hmm. And she gets kind of angry and upset about that. And then Glenn Close kind of manipulates John Malkovich into dumping Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm -hmm. While still withholding sex herself. Mm -hmm. So then he goes back and dumps Michelle Pfeiffer quite brutally. He just keeps saying it's beyond my control, beyond my control. Mm -hmm. He like grabs her hair and throws across the room it's quite upsetting Mm -hmm. so he does that and then he goes back to Glenn Close again and he's like I've done it look I've broken up with her I've broken her heart I did it in the meanest possible way will you please have sex with me now Mm -hmm. and she's like no you're an idiot I've just manipulated you into breaking up with the one person you've ever truly loved I win Uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah I didn't really believe it believe that he was in love with Michelle Pfeiffer no I I didn't because he had that bit where he like he said that, oh, I told her I loved her, and at the time I believed it, and for hours afterwards as well. Mm. Like, so not now then? Yeah. Not 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 currently. Like, fair enough. You may, you may have been, but now you're saying you're not. Mm-hmm. So no, I think he, I think Glenn that? Close manipulated him into thinking he actually was in love with her. Mm. But it was clear that the real heat was between him and Glenn Close. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the relationship. They're the two who were meant to be together because they're both utter bastards. Yeah. And they've obviously got this weird sexual energy that's like you know palpable. Whereas Michelle Pfeiffer. That's the thing. I didn't feel like Michelle Pfeiffer, exu- which is weird because she's gorgeous, but she wasn't really exuding a lot of sexual energy in this film. Mm-hmm. In the sense that I didn't really feel heat. Like, it, sh- it needed to be, for her to be like, like she's this very pure character, who, it, you needed to feel like she's fighting with, you know, these feelings of incredible lust towards John Malkovich. Yeah. And she just can't resist because she just fancies him so much. And I guess it's kind of doing that, but... It's the one part of the film that I don't particularly love because I just don't ever really buy. I always feel like Glenn Close and John Malkovich just have better chemistry than John Malkovich and Michelle Pfeiffer do. Mm-hmm. In this film, anyway. But anyway, regardless. So yeah, that's when we get the have sex with me now or it's war yeah. scene. Which I found quite funny. Because <laughs> he's so demanding. Like, he's so angry and petulant. <laughs> he's like, have sex with me. She's like, no, have sex with me. And she's like, no, I don't want to. And he's, yeah. like, <laughs> and he's like, you can have sex with me right now or we are going to war. And it was like... It was. I kept thinking to myself, "What if she's like, oh, okay, fine. This is gonna be awkward sex, like, because like obviously, angry sex is a hundred percent a thing. Like, you know, mm-hmm. that's very common in, in films and in real life when you, you you're so passionate, you fight, and it's like you go from shouting to kissing. You know, mm-hmm. that's totally a thing. Yeah. But it wasn't that kind of angry fight they were doing. It was more just him being like, "Why aren't you having sex with me?" You know, it was just yep. very like child having a tantrum. <laughs> Whereas if she was just like, "Okay, great, go for it," I don't think he would have known what to do. <laughs> It would have. It was not like a sexy moment. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Would you have preferred the film with a sex scene in it between those two? Well, I mean, the whole point is that they don't. But mm. no, I don't think I would have preferred it particularly. I just, I, 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 I did like the, I liked that dynamic where she wanted it and he wanted it, but she couldn't give it to him. Mm. And I think she couldn't give it to him because she was afraid, on some level, that. It, once he'd had it, he wouldn't want it anymore. Mm-hmm. I think that's why she'd like to keep him like dangling on a string. Right, kind of thing. Okay, yeah. That was my interpretation. Because like, yeah. you know. you're right, that's why I think you made a very good point when you said you never really see her having sex. Mm. I th- whereas you see him having sex all the time. Mm-hmm. I think she knows that she's got this power over him, but she's afraid to open up and just let it happen because then what? Then she's lost her power. Like, yeah. That's her one bargaining chip. Mm, yeah. yeah. Uh, whereas he doesn't need to worry about stuff like that. Because mm. he's a man. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so then, he, so then they go to war. And the film finishes. And the film finishes, yeah. basically. Well, she 
fires the first shot. She writes a letter. She's been sleeping with Keanu Reeves, mm-hmm. who's obviously in love with Uma Thurman. Mm-hmm. So she writes a letter to Keanu Reeves telling him that John Malkovich has been fucking Uma Thurman. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to Keanu Reeves and John Malkovich fighting a duel. Mm-hmm. A classic French duel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was disappointed by the lack of glove slapping, but... Still. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but anyway, they're fighting a duel with some fences. Fence, fencing swords? Fencing swords, yeah. 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 Not fences. No. Nope. <laughs> it's not how it works. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and... So in the course of this fight, Keanu Reeves stabs John Malkovich and mm-hmm. he dies. It was John Malkovich's doing, though. Yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like he decided to commit suicide by letting Keanu Reeves kill him because mm. I guess that's why he had the letters in his pocket the whole time. Mm. He wouldn't have just been carrying those around regardless. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he just decides to kill himself. I mean, I didn't even know what Keanu Reeves was doing in the entire film. I didn't know that anybody fancied him, that he was sleeping with anybody. I had no clue. So You like, didn't know that him and Uma Thurman had a thing? I, I mean, I, I kind of guessed just because Uma Thurman kept talking about just people, mm-hmm. oh, is this of, 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 of which I knew nobody's names, and he oh. was the only person her age. Okay. So, you know, just like... Well, there's the, there's the scene of them like playing the piano together and like singing horribly. And... Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm. I got that, but... Yeah. I mean, I don't really feel romance in the air at that point. No. I mean, they're not in it very much, and Keanu Reeves' acting in this film is dreadful, so mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I can understand why it doesn't really... Mm. Click. Yeah. Anyway, so like I just thought it was just a genuine, just no, oh, just do some fencing, you know, a bit of a hobby. <laughs> well, it wasn't a very intense fight. No, it really. They wasn't. kept stopping to like breaks and stuff. Like, mm, yeah. I don't know if those fights were always supposed to end in someone dying, or he like made it into like an accident. Like John Malkovich like threw himself on the, on Keanu Reeves' sword and made, it, like, made him made him some kind of an accident. But I mean, I'm kind of confused as to the. The, the kind of sword as well because they looked like fencing swords like super thin yeah but then also fencing swords as far as I know I don't think they could just poke their way through a person really they're very bendy okay what if, even if you like fell on one like with the full weight of a man maybe I don't know I mean I'm, I'm not an expert in fencing but I have fenced you're not you fenced yeah when have you fenced I fenced Freya oh okay oh is this uh... she, she she won most of the time but okay. uh, no, I, I beat her at times <laughs> well <laughs> That's just a very funny mental image. What, me and Freya fencing? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It happens. I'm sure, I believe it. Well, past tense, I assume. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, cool. But yeah, like the fencing swords that we use, they've got sort of blunt ends, yeah. but well, of I guess that's probably a modern safety thing, because yes. obviously these days you, wear it, you do it with a lot of safety equipment. Yes. And back in those days, like, apparently not. No, apparently not. So anyway, he dies and gives this very, very long death speech. Oh, so boring. <laughs> But I like I liked how. It... And also, I was wondering how he died as well because he got stabbed not like in the chest or anything, mm. just like in the hip. Yeah, like that doesn't feel like a place that a small stab wound is yeah. going to kill you. Well, he stays alive long enough to like give this huge, huge speech about you know how sorry he is mm. and please tell his message to Michelle Pfeiffer and then take these letters for me, all that kind of stuff. And then it's like, it's like oh, okay, I'm done now. I guess it's time to die. Mm. Like... <laughs> yeah, he dies exactly when he means to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a perfectly timed movie death. Yeah, and I was kind of like, doctors. Yeah, bandages. <laughs> like nobody's sort of crying out, like get help or anything like no, that. No, no. Keanu Reeves didn't show any emotion in this. Well, scene. that may have just been an acting thing. <laughs> well, yes, certainly. I mean, from my interpretation of the character, which is obviously completely wrong, I was expecting like at least a sorry yeah. or something. You know, just some form of that. Like oh, oh, my Keanu god, Reeves I, to apologise. Like oh my god, I really didn't mean to do that. Oh, I'm so no. sorry, sir. And I um, think that's not that's not an incorrect interpretation. I don't, I don't think he did mean to kill him. Sure. Okay. okay yeah. yeah. Or even if he did, just like a look of like, ha Yeah. But uh, no, nothing. Keanu Reeves had one facial expression in this movie. Mm. And it was blank. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yep. But also it was funny, like, because he gives this whole long speech and then he kind of just goes, 
turns his head to the side and very daintily dies. And then it pulls out like sort of an overhead shot with like Peter Capaldi and Keanu Reeves kneeling over John Malkovich's dead body. Mm. And a huge pool of blood. Mm. Huge. So it's like, this whole speech, has he just been like spursing blood up his yeah. all over Keanu Reeves? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Feels like that's what was happening. Mm-hmm. So then he dies, and he, but before he dies, he... Well, he, he tells Keanu to go to Michelle Pfeiffer and to explain to her that he did love her all the time and he's really, really sorry. Mm-hmm. But And also he gives the letters that him and Glenn Close wrote to each other because all of their schemes pretty much happened over the, through them passing notes to each other. Right, yeah. So he does that too. So he goes to Michelle Pfeiffer, who's in a sickbed, dying of a broken heart, plus all the leeches and blood loss. Mm-hmm. And she's like, and she just dies. Mm. <laughs> she just dies of a broken heart there and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he passes all the letters to everybody, I guess. So then what we see is we see Glenn Close... Le- did, so did you think Glenn Close's freak out was because she'd lost? Uh, that's what I later thought it was. Initially I thought it was like, oh my god, he's dead, I'm so sad. Yeah, no, I, I, think, that is what, I think that is what it is. Okay. Yeah, I absolutely think that's what it was. I don't think... Yeah, I think the fact that the love of her life, who is John Malkovich, mm-hmm. has died. I think that's why she freaks out. Mm-hmm. But then she kind of... So she has this huge, huge freak out in, the, in her dressing room, I guess. Um, a room. A room, yeah. It smashes it, mirrors. It's throws. a palace. I'm not sure if there's uh, enough names of rooms to actually name every room. Probably not, no, yeah. The salon. <laughs> the room between her bedroom and her dressing room. Yeah. Anyway, but the film ends with Glenn Close kind of pulling herself back together, getting all dressed up, going to the opera, mm. you know, business as usual. But she goes in, and then obviously the letters have been passed along. Mm-hmm. And so basically the entire room, it's like the entire room just stops and stares at her. Well, see, that's the thing was... I, again, later thought, she walks into that room, in, into her box, and she doesn't just go and just sit down like normal. Mm-hmm. She's got this sort of, this blank, unhappy look on her face, mm-hmm. and she just stands there and just looks at the whole audience as though she's expecting exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. Which made me think that she already knew about all those letters, they'd been in the paper, she must have read the paper or something, and then had that freak out. I like the idea that, you've, the idea that there was a paper. You know, the Sunday Times. <laughs> like, this yeah. just in. Extra, yeah. extra. This is a bitch. Um, possibly she expected it. I, I feel like... I mean, it, newspapers have been around for hundreds of years, though, right? Yeah, but I think in these How courts, do people know things? How do from, all, the, all the audience know things? Well, as, as, Sorry, all the audience of the opera know things. Oh, from passing gossipy notes. Like, they just lived on gossip. I don't think there was like a formal letter, a formal did, newspaper. Why did everybody know? Because he passed all the letters around. Everyone was like, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? You know. Was she that important to people? Yeah, she was like a very important... She was like the social, the socialite. She was like the social butterfly of the whole group. Like, She probably is knows everyone in that room. And she's probably like got gossip from all of them. And... Well, I got the impression that she was very upper class. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And that everybody else in the opera was not. Oh, no. Everyone in the opera was upper class. Really? Lower class people wouldn't go to the opera. They're too poor. Mm. Yeah. No, no. These, these are all her peers. Okay. They're not just poor people. These are all like fellow lords and ladies and counts and countesses. Mm. That's the thing she's been rejected by. She spent her whole life putting this mask up mm. of being like this social, you know, goddess. And then she comes in, into the opera mm. and everybody knows that she's been a big phony the whole time. She's ex- mm. completely exposed. Right. I mean, how has she been a phony? She's pretty much just been sleeping around. Well, the letters also reveal that she's been like plotting to take people down. Like she, ah, okay, cool. you know how cool. she, she yeah. plotted with John Malkovich to ruin him with Furman, you mm. know that kind of thing. Oh, okay, sure. So she will have no friends anymore. Mm. Like she's done in this. Mm-hmm. Her name is Mud in this town. So yeah, I think maybe she walks into the room expecting some kind of reaction because everyone knows that John Malkovich is dead, and they probably know that they're that they were friends. But she's like, mm. look, I'm fine. But then, basically, first it's silence, and everyone just stares at her, mm-hmm. and then everyone just starts booing, and it's kind of silly, but also mm-hmm. you know. 
she kind of soaks it in and you, you, you go close up on her face and all the mm-hmm. booze and then she kind of turns around stumbles a bit and walks out yeah and then the film ends with her out like completely alone wiping the makeup off her face and you see her completely exposed for the first time with her horrible red blotchy skin mm-hmm. and uh credits roll and she's been destroyed and I guess John Malkovich won from Beyond the Grave mm-hmm. and that's yes. Dangerous Liaisons yes I guess um, how do they do that scene where she wipes her makeup off and then it's not Glenn Close's skin underneath I think it was so Glenn Close has got horrible red blotchy skin well have you ever worn heavy amounts of makeup uh, no no No. I think if you wipe it off it would and you, you would have like quite red skin just from the you know I'm sure they did things to make the skin redder, you know. Sat right in the sun for a bit. I don't know. I'm not, I can't give you an answer, but the idea is that, like, she put... It's it's like she, the mask has slipped. You know, mm. I think the idea is that, like, now she's got enough, nothing to hide behind anymore. Mm. So, and underneath it is something quite raw, mm-hmm. literally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. Great. All right, I'm getting, well, getting through I, it. I'm getting through it. Yeah. Um, any more thoughts on the film? Do you think I've got any more thoughts on the film? <laughs> Dear God, John. Well, okay, here's a question for you. Yeah. Would this film be improved if Meryl was playing the Glen role? I'll get to that. Oh, okay, fine. Interesting. Okay. Um, but also, yes. Okay. To go back to last week's rating of, you know, how many Meryls out of ten. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, keep that, bit, keep that as a thing. Yeah, yeah I, I, would, I would say this one's a solid three Meryls out of ten. Three Meryls out of ten, okay. <laughs> what, was, what did you give last week? Seven. Oh, Seven out of ten, okay. Maybe eight, uh, I don't know. Okay, so you quite enjoyed Feel Attraction then. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So it's not been a dreadful season then. It's just this week's not been great for you. What, what, what did I make the rating? Was it actually like how good the film was or was it just like how, how good the role was? I don't know. The, it's, Glenn, it's the your, Glenn Close role. It's your rating system. Okay, well, it doesn't change. Okay, fine. <laughs> so did you... Have- Fatal Attraction, I'm, I'm now remembering more fondly. Sure. When it's less fresh. Mm-hmm. This one, I cannot see that happening. To seduce a woman famous for strict morals, religious fervor, and the happiness of her marriage. What could possibly be more prestigious? I think there's something degrading about having a husband for a rival. It's humiliating if you fail and commonplace if you succeed. Where is Monsieur de Torvel, anyway? Presiding over some endless case in Burgundy. I don't think you can hope for any actual pleasure. Oh, yes. You see... I have no intention of breaking down her prejudices. I want her to believe in God and virtue and the sanctity of marriage and still not be able to stop herself. I want the excitement of watching her betray everything that's most important to her. Surely you understand that. I thought betrayal was your favorite word. No, no. Cruelty. I always think that has a nobler ring to it. So, should we get to drinking games? Okay, so uh, my first one is uh, probably a, a somewhat obvious one, which is Drink for Wig Changes. Drink for Wig Changes, yes. I mean, this mm. is a wiggy, wiggy movie. Mm. And, uh, I did spend most of this movie, that's probably why I wasn't listening, trying to work out what was meant to be a wig in that world. <laughs> and what was just what was actually just a wig for the actors. Yeah. And also, on occasion, what was just natural hair. Yeah, I know what you mean because again, because it really, varied. it really did. Yeah. Peter Capaldi, like I was like, well, that's a wig, mm. and then but then he's wearing it when he's having sex, and and like mm. when he's not wearing any clothes, he's still got that wig. Yeah, and like well, John Malkovich's natural hair uh-huh. was you know obviously not John Malkovich's natural hair. Yes, one would assume. Yeah. Um, Safe assumption. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know because he so often just wore wigs through the whole film. 
and a lot of them. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I was wondering with that. Mm-hmm. I agree. It was good, though. Did, I mean, did, did he have a favourite... Just to, did, to do the whole wig watch section, let's be sure, honest. Yeah, yeah. Did he have a favourite uh, wig? Of... I think Capaldi's bedtime wig. Bedtime, it was just, his bedtime wig was just so long, mm-hmm. and it just looked so weird. Mm. I, I had the same thing. I was like, so that's not a wig? That's your hair? <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was really compelled by it, yeah. yeah. Um, who else is wearing a good wig? Yeah, Malkovich is wearing some very good wigs in this. Uh, I don't think a lot of the women are wearing wigs, are they? They're just kind of... I mean, my, my wig dar is awful, by the way. So, like, <laughs> was that Glenn Close's hair? I'm just thinking, like, a lot of it was... She didn't really have as many big hairstyles as the men did. All the she men just have... kind of had one. Yeah, which I think might have just been Glenn Close's hair. Mm. I don't know, though. Genuinely don't know. Uh, but I really enjoyed that opening scene, though, where it's just literally Glenn Close and John Markovich being constructed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it really put you into, like, the feeling of, like, my God, okay, they didn't do anything mm. all day, but the effort they put into not doing anything, like, they're just getting Well, back... the effort other people put in. Oh, exactly, other people are. Yeah, because they're just standing there just being constructed. Like, mm. like, the powder and the corsets and the wigs and everything, it's just like, wow, they're getting so dressed up to just go and do nothing. Mm. They just go and bitch about each other. Mm-hmm. Like, what? No wonder they're all mad. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess that the film starts with Glenn Close getting constructed and finishes with her getting destructed. Yeah, exactly. Deconstru- oh, ex- absolutely. That's interesting. It's symbolism, yeah. yeah. Cool, okay. Uh, next drinking game. Uh, drink for notes and letters. Anytime oh, a yeah. note or letter is passed to somebody. Sure, Lots sure. of scandalous gossip. Drink for any time anybody looks or touches boobs. My next one is cleavage. Yeah. I've got to say, when I... Decided to do a Glenn Close season. I did not know it was also going to be tit season. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is one of those like boob heavy episodes we've ever done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I absolutely loved John Malkovich's just lack of subtlety. Oh, at, at looking at somebody's chest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he would like his first scene with Uma Thurman. She's standing, he's sitting. She's all standing behind him, kind of yeah. to the side, and he's just full on just looking at her chest. Oh, Somebody yeah. says something to him. He turns away, just lightly replies, and then just. Turns his head sideways again and just just carries yeah. on as though nothing's changed. Just like, <sighs> yeah, boobs, boobs, mm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then Uma's mum was like, "We need to go." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't there a scene? I, don't, I can't remember if it's Uma Thurman or Glenn Close or somebody else. There's a scene when he kisses a character's boobs as if he's like kissing Glenn, someone on the cheek. Glenn Close. Is it Glenn Close? Yeah. yeah. It's like he's kissing someone on the cheek. That kind of like the double yeah. kissing, but and I, I think Keanu Reeves does the same. Yeah. Oh, oh. Not a boob moment, but, well, apart from that, that Keanu Reeves is a bit of a boob in this film. But, ha-ha! <laughs> but he had one moment of great physical comedy mm. was with Keanu Reeves when he first meets John Malkovich, I think. So he's with Glenn Close, and, like, he just gives John Malkovich this weird, awkward hug and kisses him. And it's just, oh, yeah. oh it's so funny. It's really made me laugh. It's so sweet. It's like, oh, <laughs> he's a little puppy. Like, yeah. <laughs> especially because John Malkovich is just like, ugh. Mm. Yeah, that was sweet. Yeah. Okay, my next one is drink for any time anybody says beyond my control. Mm. Well, it's only in that one scene, but he says it like eight times. That's a lot more than eight. Really? Oh, also, just on a similar note, I love a film that manages to work the title of the film into yeah. a line of dialogue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was so happy when Glenn Coe sits down with Susie Curtis and is like, I'm afraid, the, how can I put this? There may have been a dangerous liaison between <laughs> your daughter and Keanu Reeves. Yep. It's like, oh my God, yes. Mm. It'd be like a, a fatal attraction if like at some point Michael Douglas was sitting down with his wife and he's like, I had a fatal attraction to this woman. Like, you know, so good. I mean, it's it, it's always fun, but it's never the mark of a good film. No, no well, <laughs> it's very never. cheesy. but it's, it's largely the mark of a bad film. This is not a bad film. Mm. 
I can understand you might say it's a boring film, but it's not like a bad film. There's a lot of bad things, bad elements to it. Oh, fair enough. Okay. There just are. We've mentioned loads of... You've sure, mentioned sure, sure. Loads no, 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 that's fair. It's a flawed film. It's a flawed film, sure. Mm. Was that yours or mine? Sorry. Mm, beyond my control. Oh, yeah, it was yours. Okay. Drink for fans. Fans, yes. Love yes. a good fan. Yeah. Love a good f- dramatic fan. Reveal. Reveal, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it just really hot all the time? I guess so. I guess yeah. they were always wearing those tight corsets, which would be comfortable. Oh, yeah, yeah, comfortable, yeah. 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 So. Um, drink whenever John Malkovich does anything a woman doesn't want him to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had drink whenever John Malkovich is a big perv. So, okay. same. And then, following on from that, drink whenever lusts after John Malkovich. When someone, another character lusts after John mm. Malkovich. Um, so it's kind of both, really. Oh, it is, yeah. He's definitely obviously got some kind of sexual magnetism to him. Mm. I found the scene really odd when he's sleeping with Uma Thurman. After she's more into it, when they're like just having you know fun sex, mm-hmm. so they're having sex, and he starts talking about how that's ha- this time in the past when he fucked her mum, mm-hmm. and she's just like, "Oh, cool, yeah." <laughs> yep. like, Is this what you really what you want to hear right now? Mm. <laughs> no, awful. He also has his prostitute friend, the courtesan, uh, when he's writing the letters to Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm. Or he's writing it on a quill pen. Yeah. <laughs> On her back, and then it cuts to Michelle Pfeiffer reading this beautifully calligraphied, like written out letter. And it's mm-hmm. like that would be like child scroll. That is yeah. so neat for being written in quill on the, a naked woman's back on a bed. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, it's made me laugh. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Are you done for drinking games? Yes, I've got two more. Uh, drink for devious smiles. Okay, just every time Glenn Close or John Markovich just like turns a corner when they're talking to someone, just kind of does that smile that says I'm scheming and it's mm-hmm. working. And finally, drink for dramatic piano flourishes. Mm-hmm, I yep. did find the score to be good, but very intrusive. It's very so like, intrusive. Yeah. <laughs> For that reason, not good. Well, you know, it, it was like its own character. Oh, you know. mm. it, was, it felt very not like, a good character. Not a good character, no. But anyway, but yeah, great. Your note said it was urgent. It's days now. I haven't been able to think of anything else. Please sit down. I have reason to believe that a oh. How shall I describe it? That a dangerous liaison has sprung up between your daughter and the Chevalier Donceny. So listeners, if you've enjoyed this episode, I mean, I don't know why you have, because <laughs> I've not. But uh, on, on the occasion that you have enjoyed it, please help us out by donating a little bit of money to us by going to patreon.com slash set. Mm-hmm. And if you do so, and no matter how much you donate, could be $2, could be $15,000. Um, we'd like to make it more, but sorry, I mean... I know you want to give us more, but... Yeah. Hence all the people who are currently giving us $15,000, because it's just... Yeah, see, if we can make it more, we may have some money more, yeah, lost more money off them, so... Yeah. We're trying, we're getting in touch with Patreon mm-hmm. to try and see if they can up their maximum. We're going to, you know, the petition is being circulated, we're really fighting for the people in this one. Yeah. Yep. But if you do donate any money to us, mm-hmm. um, even if it is just $2 a month, then uh, you get a bonus show from us called Beyond Beyond the Box Set. That's a show where we review films in cinema right now, mm-hmm. um, which... It's good fun for us. We're going to do a Dumbo one after this. Yeah. Maybe, depending on times. We've got to go to the cinema also tonight, so... Yeah. Yeah. What else? I've lost the will to live, John. Oh, my God. Go on. <laughs> amp it up, amp it up, amp it up. Um, advertising slots and, you know... Um, okay, yeah, once a month... Um, picking every, a film. Once a month, every Patreon gets a 30-second advert slot on the main show where they can advertise anything they want to. It can be your own podcast... Uh, your own business, somebody else's business, somebody else's podcast, you know, whatever you whatever you feel like talking about for 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, once a month, we pick a Patreon episode. Uh, sorry, we pick a Patreon to choose an episode for us, on mm-hmm. the, which goes on the main show. 
Um, unless it's film with sequels, in which case we'll do it on a bonus show, we'll just talk about it, have some fun. If it is a main show episode, though, you're very welcome to guess, if you're local or international. doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all that is available at patreon.com slash set. Indeed. Hi, I'm Mike from the Genuine Chit Chat Podcast, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. I speak to a wide variety of guests, from travellers to musicians, to those afflicted with mental or physical illnesses. There's really no subject that's off-limits, from movies to politics, and even controversial topics ranging from sex to drug reform and political correctness. So if you still believe in the art of conversation, are intrigued by healthy debates with different ideas and perspectives you may not have thought of, and want a podcast where every episode is about something different with a variety of guests, then this may be the podcast for you. You can hear us on YouTube and all your favourite podcast apps, and follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. So if you want to hang out and listen to honest conversations with interesting people, then come to Genuine Chit Chat, where I'm your host, Mike Burton. Okay, so my main idea this week, mm. you'll be excited to learn, mm. is not just a sequel pitch, mm-hmm. it's also a bit of a history lesson. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Keep it together, Harry, keep it together. How much do you know about the French Revolution? I, I, I vaguely know what happened in Les Miserables. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Gayest answer you could have given, right? <laughs> <laughs> So this film takes place around the 18th century, and at some point in the 18th century, the French Revolution happened. Mm. And what happened with the French Revolution? Basically, France used to be, like the UK, a monarchy. So the king or queen, mostly the king, ruled the country. And then there was a parliament, you know. (gasps) King Louis. King Louis, yes. So you did know some of this, yeah. Only because I went on a tour in Paris at some point, and they were just like, oh yeah, everybody was called King Louis. Yeah, they had like 17 (laughs) Louis, it's crazy, yeah. So yeah, sometime in the 18th century, there was a huge amount of poverty in France. You know, there was a huge rich-poor divide. Mm -hmm. All the aristocrats were just living in this incredible luxury, like we see in this film, you know, they're Mm -hmm. doing nothing all day, just having feasts and having sex and just, Mm -hmm. you know, flaunting their wealth. All the while, all the poor people were literally starving to death, you know. It was massive famines and illness and, you know, horrible, horrible standard of living. And so ultimately, there was a huge uprising, and the French common folk rose up and basically killed all the aristocrats. Mm-hmm. It was very bloody and brutal. A lot of them were, were guillotined. Others were decapitated and like paraded. It was like riots in the streets. People were just killed in the streets. They stu- and ultimately, the king and queen were both killed as well, mm-hmm. executed. Mm-hmm. And then France became a republic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a kind of a weird, brutal moment that made all the other royal families across Europe go, shit, could that happen to us? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, our thoughts would be really interesting, since we're not entirely sure what year this film happens, if the French Revolution kind of happened you know, shortly after the events of this film. Mm-hmm. Also, I was kind of thinking, so the end of this film is Glenn Close's character is, you know, she's shamed, she's shunned, she's been, like, cast out of society. But she seems pretty resourceful, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she's she's a strong woman, she's very devious. I think she would figure out a way to survive, you know. She's, she's a survivor. Yeah. So she's not just going to, like, go down without a fight. So that's what made me think of this, you know. Maybe, maybe she gets caught up in the revolution in some way. So, takes place... A few years after the original, Glenn Close's character has essentially been banished from court after being exposed to this devious, scheming, you know, life-ruining, you know, bitch. Mm -hmm. So she's disgraced, she's got no friends anymore, and she rapidly falls on hard times. Yeah. However, she remains smart and resourceful, and so she abandons her old life entirely, leaves Paris, and uses what remains of her wealth and riches to set up a high-end brothel. But they in Paris? Well, wherever. She, she leaves the courts, you know, because mm-hmm. she's got obviously persona non grata anymore. Mm-hmm. So she leaves courts, uses what's left of her money to set up like a high-end brothel, mm-hmm. and becomes a successful madam. 
and changes her name, basically. She creates a whole new identity. Mm-hmm. So now she's like, I don't know, Madame Revenge or something. So she's training all these girls, you know, all the prostitutes that are working for her, to kind of seduce and manipulate the clientele of this brothel. Mm-hmm. Most of whom are the same French aristocrats who kind of shamed her in her former life. Okay. No. So she in disguise? Or she does not show her face? Well, she's not... The prostitute, she's the madam, so yeah, they never see her face. Right. Okay. She's just running shit. You know, she doesn't need to actually do the business. She just, you know, pulls the strings. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. Now she's kind of filled with even more kind of simmering resentment against all the people at the French court who cast her aside. So she vows to get revenge. See, using blackmail, robbery, and extortion, she soon becomes the, one of the most powerful madams in all of the French underclass. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's this mysterious figure who like is manipulating all of these men who come and use her prostitutes, but they don't know who it is. They don't know it's her doing it. Mm-hmm. So she becomes quite wealthy and successful in this business. Okay. Initially, she contents herself with ruin. Wait, wait, so when she ran away, did she not take her wealth with her? Well, she took what she could and used it to set up this brothel. So she just abandoned her whole identity and like her yeah, position, been, position at the bank? Yeah, because she'd been cast out. I don't, I don't think they had like a bank account, necessarily. But where did her wealth come from? Just like... Marriage? Blocks of gold? I'm not sure. I guess that neither of us know the financial system. Yeah, let's not let's not dwell too France. much on it. <laughs> she took what she could and she set up a brothel and it became very successful. Mm-hmm. So initially she contents herself with ruining the lives of the French aristocrats for profits, mm-hmm. but also she becomes aware of the growing revolutionary activities in France. So she sees an opportunity to truly get revenge on her old friends and rivals. Mm. Uh, so using her new identity and her talent for letter writing, which we see in the original film, she becomes a political activist. You know, she's posing as this, you know, working class hero writing powerful pamphlets condemning the aristocracy's extreme wealth. And because she's got all this insider knowledge of the French courts, she's able to very effectively depict like the opulence and the waste and the greed and all the stuff that really riles up hatred from the common people towards the aristocracy. Mm-hmm. So she's basically like become a gossip columnist for the revolution. So she'll be writing all these blind items about what all the latest aristocrats are doing that's so wasteful and greedy while all the poor people are starving to death. Mm-hmm. To the point, she even coins the phrase, let them eat cake. Do you know what that phrase is? Never heard it before in my life. Okay. So, the Queen of France, Marie Antoinette, have you heard of her? Mm-hmm. During the height of a very bad famine in Paris, somebody said, we have no bread left to give to the poor. And she was supposed to have replied, well, let them eat cake then. Mm-hmm. And it was supposed to be this, like, this perfect summation of how out of touch she was. Mm-hmm. Like, she didn't realise that if they don't have bread, they're not going to have cake, you know. Most historians think she never said it. It was, like, attributed to her by a false source to kind of... Right, yeah make people hate her even more. So in this sequel, I'm saying that Glenn Close came up with that as part of her scheming and kind of said, you know, wrote, wrote like a gossip column saying like, the Queen says, let them eat cake and then just turns people against her even more. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Since now there are newspapers. Yeah, well, no, there were always newspapers for the poor, but I don't think the rich people were using newspapers. They were just passing notes. Uh, okay. okay. So she's using her, her wealth and her brothel to uh, host secret meetings with revolutionaries and using her own sexual powers and her letter-writing skills to become like a key player in the revolution, basically. Mm-hmm. All the while remaining safe and anonymous because she's a woman, so she doesn't need to be on the front lines, you know. Mm-hmm. And soon the revolution kicks off and it turns into open war against the aristocracy. And because she she knows so much and she has all this power and from the knowledge of her former life, she's able to kind of target people for assassination. So she gets to have all of her ex-lovers and all of her ex-enemies from the courts assassinated by the revolutionaries. Okay. So she's basically running the revolution from behind the scenes. Is what mm-hmm. I'm getting okay, at here. yeah. Ultimately, it leads to the royal family being arrested, as actually did happen. Mm-hmm. I think we'll see like some of the scenes of all the brutality. So there'll be a scene where Glenn Close will see the Swoozie Kurtz character. Mm-hmm. They'll see her head being carried through the crowd on like a pike, which was something that happened with some of the rich people. Mm-hmm. And she'll look and she'll be shocked for a moment, but then she'll smile. She'll be like, yes, I win. The royal family are ultimately executed. Mm-hmm. The revolutionaries take charge of government. So, and as now she's one of the most powerful people in this revolution, 
she's able to orchestrate even more trials and executions. So all the aristocrats who've been like arrested and deposed now are all being put to trial and most of them got the guillotine, which yeah. is what happened. So a lot of them yeah. are getting killed. So she's basically getting this bloody revenge against all the people who ever did her wrong, you know. So she's really back in power full time. Mm-hmm. It seems like she's achieved her ultimate triumph. So at, at the end of the film, or near the end of the film, she holds a rally in front of all the revolutionaries. She gives a big speech. And this time, instead of being booed, she's being cheered. She's gone from being like hated to being like a people's champion. Because they all think she's like this, you know, she's one of them. She's a working class hero. Yeah. So they're all cheering her and she's at the moment of greatest triumph. But then a mysterious figure cries out and emerges from the crowd and points an accusing finger at her. And it is Uma Thurman, Mm -hmm. who survived the revolution. One of the few characters who survived the original film. I think in the original film, she gets sent to a nunnery because she lost the baby and, you know, she's ruined and... You know. Sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we're supposed to believe that she's gone to a nunnery. Anyway, in my version, that's what happened. And that's why she survived, because she isn't an aristocrat anymore. She got sent to a nunnery, gave up all of her wealth. And because of all the shit that happened to her in the original film, she became very disillusioned with like French court life. Mm. And she actually also joined the revolution, mm-hmm. kind of renounced her former life and all her greed and wealth and stuff, and became a revolutionary. She wasn't thrilled about her mum getting beheaded, but mm-hmm. she'd be past it. It's fine. Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, she recognises Glenn Close instantly, <clears throat> obviously, yeah. you know. And she denounces her as a fraud. She's like, this woman's no working class hero. She's a she's the worst of the lot. She reveals all of her schemes. Maybe she's got some letters or something that she kept from her old life. Mm-hmm. So the film ends with Glenn Close being put on trial and ultimately going to the guillotine, but looking fabulous while doing it. Mm-hmm. So I think the end, if at the end of it's just going to be like Glenn Close in her full regalia, just like walking to the guillotine and then head on the block, and it'll end with like the blade going like, and then cut to black. Cut to black. And then I guess Uma Thurman lives happily ever after for about five more years and then she dies of the plague or something. Yeah, in France. That, that sounds good to me, yeah. Yeah. And that can be the sequel to, to this? No, no, I think that's I don't think there's a film in that. I think she's just I was just saying that like people didn't have very light long life expectancies at the time, so yeah. fair, fair. Happily Ever After wasn't exactly happy ever after. So, mm, yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that was Dangerous Liaisons, Children of the Revolution. Oh sure. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Alright. Any yeah. questions? No, not really. Oh, I made it all the way through. You know, without just dropping dead of boredom. <laughs> okay. Well, let's see how you did then. Okay. I'm guessing this is going to have some kind of Marvel or Stranger Things tie-in, or... Well, I have done ten ideas. Ten? Ten. For a film that you hated, that's quite inspirational, surely. Yeah. Okay. Well, you'll, you'll very quickly see what I've done. Um, I've essentially just recast it with different franchises. Oh, okay, sure. Fair enough. Some, I think, are really good. Some, I think, are really... Predictable. Okay. Didn't do Stranger Things, actually. Forgot that one. Did Marvel, though. Of course you did. Okay, well, I'll start with potentially my favourite. Okay. Uh, if you want, we can try and come up with some actual plot studies or just vague what's going on. But uh, if not, then I've got cast lists here. Sure, okay. So I've recast just six characters from the film. Uh, the okay. main six, which are obviously Glenn Close, John Malkovich, Uma Thurman, Michelle Pfeiffer, Keanu Reeves, and Peter Capaldi. Okay, sure. I'm not really sure if he was like one of the main characters, but I had no idea who Swoozie Coates was. So I just no. like, yeah. He has some stuff to do, that's sure, yeah. Yeah. So the first one, uh, they've all got titles, by the way. Okay. first one is called Dangerous Liaisons. Here we go again. Is it Mamma Mia? Yeah. <laughs> is, is it a musical? Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I already like it. Okay. Yeah. So obviously Glenn Close and Mel Streep. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, John Malkovich, Pierce Brosnan. Okay, sure. Uma Thurman's character, Amanda Seyfried. Okay. I was getting that vibe through this film. So is this film being remade, at, it's, it's Dangerous mm. Liaisons remade as a musical with the cast of Mamma Mia? Yeah. Okay. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer, Cher. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves, Dominic Cooper. Yeah. Obviously. It, 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 it lines up nicely. It lines up, yeah. Uh, and then Peter Capaldi. I was struggling with this one. I can't remember Colin Firth, but have you got a better idea? 
No, I think that's right. He's not, he's not really a... What's the Swedish guy from Mamma Mia called? Uh, Stellan Skarsgård. Yeah, I think he's more of a Colin Firth than a Stellan Skarsgård. Yeah. Yeah, that works. Are we doing Colin Firth as, like, Scottish? Maybe. But yeah, so, um, David Friesen's Here We Go Again as a uh, an ABBA musical. I like that, yeah. Yeah. Maybe a, like... Oh, wait, wait. What about Cher's music? Would that fit? Could be Cher. Could be Madonna. Yeah. Okay, well, I think that... Madonna could be a good one. She's got lots of songs about like sex and scandal. Oh, great. Or Lady Gaga, maybe. Lady Gaga's songs are just all about being famous. A little bit, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the next one, Dangerous Liaisons and Adventure in Space and Time. Okay. So there's Dangerous Liaisons in Space? No, it's Doctor Who tie-in. Oh, God, okay. Yeah. Because Peter Capaldi. Yeah. So is this an idea that Peter Capaldi as Doctor Who has gone back and he's playing the same role, but he's actually Doctor Who? Totally could be. Okay, yeah. Um, however, I've cast everybody as just different actors from Doctor Who. Okay, sure. So, Glenn Close role, Alex Kingston. Do yeah. You, do you know her? Yeah, that would work. She's done like stuff like this before as well. Mm, she was yeah. in, a, in a show called uh, Mall Flanders, which was, okay. you would not, way no. before your time. But it was like a TV show about a French prostitute and she just had lots of like cleavage and scandal. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah okay. Uh, John Malkovich, David Tennant. Yeah, good. That works well. That's a very good one, yeah. Mm. David Tennant is just so great. All right, yeah. He is, though. He, he, is, can, he can do anything. So can John Malkovich. Apart from grow hair. I think John Malkovich could play anything. Yeah. I reckon David Tennant's got more range than John Malkovich. Interesting take, sure. Anyway, Uma Thurman, Billy Piper. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, Catherine Tate. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. Interesting, yeah. Catherine Tate just getting a bit crazy and emotional and eventually dying of an STD or, or not or whatever. Oh, it was a broken heart, Harry. Sorry. <laughs> um, Keanu Reeves, Matt Smith. He's the most boyish. Yeah, that works, yeah. And there's not really been many male companions. No, true, yeah. That's just the way it goes. Peter Capaldi's playing Peter Capaldi. Naturally, yeah. yeah. Well, because the thing with Doctor Who is it can be anything. Mm. Because the whole thing, there's not really a lot of rules to that show. No. So you could definitely just have an episode where they land in 18th century France and this is going on and they just need, for some reason, they need to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that could be quite fun. And it, it's just like all of time and space is closing in on itself and it's just characters from the past that are all filling this. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that, that one totally work. I could, I could see that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, next one I've got. Dangerous Liaisons, actually. Oh, dear God. <laughs> Richard Curse's directed version? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Glenn Close, Emma Thompson. I could see that. Yeah. See, that one works, doesn't it? it? That works very well. I mean, they're similar ages. They've done a lot of similar kind of roles. Oh, so, similar yeah. ages? I think Emma Thompson's a little younger, but not by What's loads. A fair bit younger. I don't know. I think, I think she's in her 60s now, and Glenn Close is like 72. Maybe there's like 10 years in it. I don't Last know. week you told me off for thinking that Robin Wright and Glenn Close were Emma similar Thompson's ages. older than Robin Wright. Is Come she? On. Yes. Let me just double check. No. She's close. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Okay, Emma Thompson's 59, Glenn Close is 72, and Robin Wright's like 55, so fine, you're right. <laughs> okay, John Malkovich um, would be the Chris Marshall character. Oh, God. Am I wrong, though? No, I guess that was the whole thing, was he wanted to... Actually, I think it'd be really funny if it was, like, that character from Love Actually. Like, so he, he wants to be, like, a big shag-fest mm-hmm. ferret rat mm-hmm. snake, I don't know. Uh, shag fest ferret rat snake wow <laughs> Where was that, that on the t-shirt yeah <laughs> uh, but like he was weird awkward Chris Marshall and actually nobody was attracted to him in the slightest mm-hmm. that'd be pretty funny actually yeah okay that works yeah. Uma Thurman I'm not sure if I've got this one right but Kira Knightley am I wrong uh, just because she's the youngest one in the cast yeah yeah I mean kind of I mean she's not that young now but you know. well neither is anybody neither really. is anyone from Love Actually yeah so yeah that could work she's the most sort of girly character she is, yeah. Yeah, that, that could work. That could mm-hmm. work, yeah. 
Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, Nina Sosanya, which was Alan Rickman's mistress. Oh, you think? Yeah. Well, because like Michelle Pfeiffer's character is all pure and good, and like that character was like the homewrecker. Is she? I've never thought of Michelle Pfeiffer as pure and good. She's just got a, an evil-looking face. No, in this film, in this film, her character is supposed to be pure and good. I wasn't watching this film. Clearly, I was trying. Clearly, my God. Mm. Okay, who, who who do you pick then? To be Michelle Pfeiffer, maybe Martine McCutcheon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She's sweet. Well, and, yeah, and she's the main love interest in Love Actually of you know the Hugh Grant character. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that works. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, Keanu Reeves um, again, most boyish character, Thomas Brodie Sangster, which was Liam Neeson's son. Oh God! I mean, is it? I'm not, is he still in films and TV stuff today? What does he do? Uh, yeah, I mean, Game of Thrones was only a couple of years ago that he oh, was. Oh, what was he in Game that. of Thrones again? Um, oh, he was. Um, he was Brandon Stark's Brandon like Stark's. mentor sort of thing. Yes, yes, yes. Um, he was also in uh, the Maze Runner films. Um, oh, okay. Not that they were big or anything, but like they're recent. Okay. Oh, sure. Fine. Yeah. So mm. yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I'm just thinking. In, in Love Actually, he's literally a child. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing he's like 20 now or something. Uh, yeah. Th- I actually think he's closer to your age than he is to mine. Really? Let me look it up. Oh, no, he's 1990, so... I mean, he's between us, but... Mm. Okay. Not watching it. No. Um, and then Peter Capaldi's character as, you know, the assistant? That's not the right word. What am I thinking of? Oh, is Peter Capaldi playing Bill Nye's, like... Uh, no, I was, I was going to say uh, Martin Freeman's going to be in that role. Oh, I see. Okay, right, sure, yeah. That just kind of works... What's the word I'm thinking of? You know, in Joust, Squire. Squire. Thank Squire, you. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why you're thanking me. You said it. Pardon? I didn't help at all. Why are you thanking me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something that helps to like explain things to somebody and it sort of sure it, it fires memory. off the synapses. Yeah. yeah. So, any idea as to what that film would be? Maybe this actually? film, but as much more of like a comedy. I think mm-hmm. if you're gonna, if you're gonna, more lighthearted Marshall, comedy building up to Christmas. Yeah, I guess it, it'd be a very British version where, rather than being like all French and sexy and villainous, they're all just like, "Oh dear, excuse me, but yeah. like, I would quite like to put it in you, like you know, <laughs> yeah. if you don't mind." You know, like. <laughs> International listeners, that is how we flirt, basically. Yeah, that's, that's, that's Brits. Um, it's so awkward. <sighs> anyway, uh, next one up I've got is Dangerous Liaisons on the Orient Express. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so that's a bit of an ensemble cast that we can yeah. throw at this. So Glenn Close, Judy Dench. Sure. So again, is this... They're all on a train. The ca- the cast of Dangerous Liaisons are just on a train and somebody gets murdered. Mm. So it's kind of the same sort of thing, but just it's all a bit sort of closer and more claustrophobic. Okay, sure, yeah. Yeah, so something like that. No one can really get away from each other, but, you know... Is there a murder? Shit's going down. Could be. Mm-hmm. Don't know who gets murdered. I don't know, maybe Swoozie Kurtz gets murdered because she's not in this. Okay, sure, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so they're on a train, Swoozie Kurtz gets murdered, and then, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, but it's still like these same characters, I guess. So the John Malkovich character, played by Johnny Depp. Sure, okay, yeah. And that lines up nicely, like he's just a bit sleazy and not very nice, and no one likes him. Sure, yeah. But also he's sexy. Mm. Yeah. Uma Thurm, Daisy Ridley. Yeah. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, Michelle Pfeiffer. I mean, yeah, right. Like, can she do, does she have the wig reveal? Yes. Oh, that was the best bit of that film. It really was. And she's wearing a second wig. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And also, I, I, I didn't understand why she was taking a wig off. And again, bad wig, duh. I didn't really clock that she was wearing a wig and she just made her through the film, just reveals she's wearing a second wig. <laughs> and it made no plot difference to me. It really did. The Keanu Reeves character. I'm not sure really why I've put Penelope Cruz here, but sure. Okay. <laughs> See, I'm kind of puzzled with this one because you're kind of recasting and putting it into a different... Like, how is this related oh, to the Dangerous plot, the, the plot could be anything, it doesn't matter. Okay. 
Maybe it's just like the Maybe, cast yeah, of well, Dangerous Liaisons just on a train. Yeah, I mean, you're the one who suggested the murder on the train. I wasn't really thinking that. But yeah, just the Dangerous Liaison story is now on a train. Oh, okay. Okay. I, okay, I see. So yeah, it could all happen on a train. Because hmm. it's, it's just a lot of like... It pretty bed- much all happens in one building Yeah, anyway. it's all about people being in the wrong bedrooms, you know, like... Yeah, someone's in the, in, in, in the wrong cabin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. You know, Daisy really doesn't have the key to her cabin, but uh, her murdered mother does. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, but now the murderer... <gasps> Has the key to her bedroom. Oh no. Okay. What's going to happen? Anyway, Peter Capaldi's character will be played by Josh Gad. He works as that kind of. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, next one, predictably, is Avengers Dangerous Liaisons. Okay. I'm interested to hear how this is going to tie in. <laughs> uh, okay, well, this one, I've, uh, I've actually used character names. Uh, Glenn Close is going to be played by Hella, which was uh, Kate Blanchett's character from Thor Ragnarok. Yes, she could very much do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've not seen that film, but it's a good shout. Yeah, but I, yeah, and I've seen clips of Kate Blanchett, and I know what she can do. Yeah. So, so for this one, is it dangerous liaisons, but they're all superheroes? Kinda, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. The John Malkovich character be played by Thanos. Okay. So it's kind of Thanos is just working his way around, sort of collecting stones, collecting <laughs> women's virtue. I guess, yeah, yeah. collecting virginities. Okay. Wow, that's a yeah. very different film, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Uma Thurman, um, Captain Marvel, Brie Larson. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Uma Thurman's character is very passive, and Captain America's whole thing is that Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel's character, sorry, is that she's very strong, and you know, mm. I guess, are there any like really weak passive characters in the Avengers? Mm, not really, with like, well, not even like the main women, at no. least. which is a good thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think it'd be weird to have Captain Marvel being like, "Oh no, please don't rape me," when it could just be like, "I will literally punch you across the universe." Like, mm, yeah, <laughs> I will literally punch your dick off. Like. <laughs> Um, Michelle Pfeiffer's character would be uh, Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, sure. That works. That does work. That works yeah. really well. Um, Keanu Reeves would be Thor. He's by far the most childish. Okay, sure, yeah. Makes oh, sense. she know Chris Pratt. Star-Lord. Mm. Well, they're both in, like, rock bands and stuff outside of their film career, aren't they? Are they? Not successful ones. What, Chris Pratt and Chris Hemsworth? No, Chris Pratt and Keanu Reeves. Oh, right. Sure. Yeah. Didn't know that about either of them, but yeah, yeah. okay. And then Peter Capaldi would just be the comedy sidekick, which would be Ant-Man. Sure, sure, Paul sure. Rudd. Yeah. Yes. That works pretty well. Okay. So, yeah, just a very disturbing film about Thanos <laughs> going around and raping everybody, but... Uh, Sounds horrible! Yeah, that's what, what this film was. What's the... <laughs> what audi- what's the audience for that, though? <laughs> <laughs> disturbed that Marvel fans. Disturbed Marvel fans. Okay, great. Sure. Harry Potter and the Dangerous Liaisons. Okay. I mean, tell me when to stop. I've got ten of these ideas. How many have we been through so far? Uh, one, two, three, four, five. This is number six. Okay, well, let's power through. Okay. I mean, I, I I did the Marvel one, and I was like, I may as well just carry on going. And then I got to eight, and I was like, I may as well go to ten. Yeah, sure, why not? So is this Dangerous Liaisons, but in in Hogwarts? I guess so. You know, that, might, that could be something. Mm. Well, I guess Dangerous they are... Liaisons, but they can cast spells on each other, yeah. like love potions yeah. and stuff. I mean, J.K. Rowling doesn't really touch in it too much, but I guess most of them probably did lose their virginity at Hogwarts. Mm. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Does anyone have sex in Hogwarts? Um, not that we've seen. Not that not, seen. Not, not we've seen in the films. I don't think they're in the books. No, okay, sure. This is really your universe, Harry, mm-hmm. Harry Potter. If there was a Harry Potter character who was going to be an evil, scheming bitch, but also a student. <laughs> um, well, see, that's the thing here. I've not made them all students. Okay. Could be the teachers, I guess. Let's see. So, well, I, I don't know if this is too far, because I've made the age differences even bigger. Oh, dear. Okay. Um, so, Glenn Close is Maggie Smith. I can't imagine Professor McGonagall being all like, oh, you must go and sleep with Hermione. You don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Okay, okay, fine. 
but then John Malkovich is very fine. Is yeah. that bad? So that's Voldemort. Well, Cause, cause what if Glenn Close was Professor Umbridge? Which one's Umbridge? Which one's Emma Umbridge? Thompson. No, oh, that one. Oh, yeah. Which one's Umbridge? What? Call yourself a potterhead. Hey, I've clearly been having a day. Okay, sure. Yeah, you know what? That works. Okay, she's Umbridge. Yeah. So the John Malkovich character, mm-hmm. who should that be, do you think? Draco Malfoy. Draco Malfoy. Draco Malfoy. Mm-hmm. And I think Draco Malfoy. I think Umbridge should recruit him to cause disruption among the pupils via the medium of their burning loins. Works for me. Okay, so Uma Thurman, Ginny Weasley. Okay, sure. Yeah. So Draco Malfoy seduces Ginny Weasley. To be fair, Ginny Weasley, of all the Harry Potter candidates, she is easily the most horny. Okay. She's clearly just fancying everybody. She fanci- Her role is just she fancies Harry. Okay, sure. Pretty much. Michelle Pfeiffer, I reckon... Hermione? Yeah, sure. Yeah, because she's all goody two-shoes. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so she'd feel really shitty about having sex with Draco as well. Oh, yeah. That would really screw her up. Yeah, yeah, yeah big time. Um, Keanu Reeves, Daniel Radcliffe. Sure, yeah. And then Peter Capaldi's character. Um, everybody, everybody's psychic best friend. It's, it's Come wrong, on. Yeah. You know, I think that might be the most workable so far. Weirdly, even though it's all children. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But no. you think of it being like, I don't know, the last year or when they were like 17 or something. Mm. Like, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, definitely. That'd be interesting, yeah, okay. Okay, yeah. Next one, Game of Liaisons. Game of Liaisons, okay. I'm, I'm seeing the, the thought <laughs> process and how it's come about. Which one? Yeah, like initially they start, these ideas were quite creative, but then they just, what's the next big franchise? Yeah. All right, yeah, let's do Game of Thrones. Let's get that I'm out. I'm amazed you never got to Stranger Liaisons. But sure. No, me neither. Mm. Oh, well. I mean, don't add more because this is already overrunning. But... Mm. So, Glenn Close's character, Cersei Lannister. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, the John Malkovich character, Jon Snow. I'm just trying to think of like, no, he's not that sexual. Men who are about Jamie Lannister, like Jamie Lannister's more. Yeah, who, who, who who's a man in Game of Thrones these days? <laughs> that show is so <laughs> sexist, right? <laughs> I mean, that's not what I mean, but just like yeah. they're all dead. True. No, I think that I think no Cersei and um, Jamie's a good one because it's like, hey, you want to have sex with me, but first you need to go and ruin all of these ladies. You know what? Yeah, that, yeah, that, that works. It's totally, Jamie. That works. Okay, so Uma Thurman, Arya Stark. Again, like Arya kicks ass. I think Sansa is much more pathetic. Okay, yeah. Sansa or Zuma Thurman would work, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that works, that's fair. Michelle Pfeiffer, then? Um, oh, um, Brian of Tarth. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I, I just don't see that for her, but okay. Uh, sure. Why not? Although I suppose he does yeah. fall in love with Brian of Tarth, doesn't he? Yeah, so I never really thought that they sort of fell in love, but just they had, they had like, a very good camaraderie. Yeah, I felt like it was more of a friendship vibe. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, no, yeah, I, I definitely agree. But, like, yeah, maybe. Maybe. I'm trying to think what other... There must be other women who are, like, more virtuous and... Maybe Daenerys? Or is she, was, is she someone else? Oh, yeah, Daenerys. Yeah, Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer's Daenerys. Good work, yeah. Yeah, that works. Mm-hmm. Okay, Keanu Reeves, Brandon Stark. Sure, yeah. Mm. And then uh, Peter Capaldi's character. It's an obvious one. Samwell. Samwell, yeah. yeah. Very good. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, next one up is um, Star Wars Episode Nine. Dangerous Liaisons. Oh, every fan's nightmare. I mean, we've not got a title for Star Wars yet, so... If it turns out to be Dangerous Liaisons, <laughs> I will be so happy. How much money will you give me for that? Why would I be giving you money? Oh, because you came with it first. Yeah. All right, fine. Fiver. Yes. I mean, I, I wouldn't hold your breath. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so Glenn Close's character would be old footage of Carrie Fisher. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I assume that that's why they've been filming. Yeah. You know, before she died. Yeah. John Malkovich's character, clearly Adam Driver. Yeah, yeah, he's weird and sexually creepy. So, yeah, 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 hundred percent. Oh, does that mean he's like trying to have sex with his mum? Mm, no, uh, 
Yes, yes. Yes, it does. I wouldn't put it past him. Fair, fair. Mm. Okay. Uma Thurman, for lack of women that fit that role, BB-8. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that is very obsessive to think about. <laughs> you know what? No. I'm changing all of this. We're pulling it back. We're not besmirching the legacy of Carrie Fisher for this. Glenn Close, C-3PO. Ah, uh, well, I put 3PO as Peter Capaldi's character. Yeah. No, 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 no. I think, I think this should just be, be dangerous liaisons with sex robots. Okay, okay, sure. I can do this. Yeah. So, Glenn Close, C-3PO. Yeah. That's fine. We're still keeping Adam Driver, though. Yeah, okay, sure, yeah. So Adam Driver's just he's shagging around. Um, Uma Thurman, BB-8. Yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer will be the droid from Solo, A Star Wars Story. I've forgotten the name. Oh, the feminist droid. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. Mm-hmm. The one who was... Was she not voiced by Brienne of Tarth? Oh, no, it was Phoebe Waller-Bridges. Yeah, yeah Brienne of Tarth was um, that silver stormtrooper. That's it, yes. Sorry. I uh, la- Lady well. Phasma. That's it, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> Not sure about Lady, but just Phasma. Captain Phasma. I was going to say, yeah, she, she can't be Lady yeah. Phasma. <laughs> lady Stormtrooper. <laughs> well, she's Lady Brienne, isn't she? So yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's what you're yeah. thinking. Yeah. Um, the Keanu Reeves character, then. Um, so we've still got R2-D2, mm-hmm. and we've got... Oh, I've forgotten his name, but uh, from Rogue One. R2-D2 is Keanu Reeves, because R2-D2, he's a little sweet droid. He's a little little, little, little baby droid. Yeah, and C-3PO yeah. enjoys shagging him, so... Yes. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I was just connecting the plot threads there. Which leaves Peter Capaldi to be the, I guess, comedic sidekick of... Um, that's not lining up. Peter Capaldi should be BB-8. Which, mean, which means that Uma Thurman is that weird droid from Rogue One. Which one from Rogue One? Ah, oh, forgotten its name. Um, Alan Tudyk's character. Oh yeah, yeah, that works. Yeah, maybe. Okay, sure. I mean, we're stretching at this point, but we are. Yes, I mean, there's not that many prominent droids in Star Wars. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Adam Driver chugging some robots. Sure, I hope he's well lubricated. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, apparently, um, what uh, Lando was, uh, was 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 doing it. So were they? I'm not going to get into the discussion right now. Were no, they, they having sex? Yeah, yeah, they were. Oh, okay, I didn't realise. I thought she just fancied him. No, 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 because um, what's-her-face, I think it was Amelia Clark, said, like, well, how does it work? And he's like, it works. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I, I, I don't think I picked up on that. Yeah. I mean, God knows how. <laughs> I'm not sure, was... I'm not, not sure I want to know, but yeah. I kind of do. Well, have you seen that they've done this... Oh, this is so off-topic now. They've invented these machines for sperm donors in China now, for people who don't want to, like, masturbate in, in a room. You just, there's, like, the machines now that you just stick your cock into, and they just, like... It looks terrifying. Wow. It looks absolutely terrifying. Is there a website for that? <laughs> it's, it's, it's so not sexy. I'm joking. Not, not right now, John. Okay, fine. Let's, 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 Late, let's, later. Let's, okay, yeah. um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. so next idea up is uh, the Lord of the Liaison. The Lord of the Liaison. Okay, sure, yeah. Hmm. So Glenn Close, Gandalf. Of course, yeah. Hmm. Uh, John Malkovich, Arwen, as in Liv Tyler. Yeah. Uma Thurman, Frodo. Yeah, sure. So, so can you go back and start from the beginning? I think I've lost the thread a bit here. Glenn Close was Gandalf. Okay, yeah. John Malkovich was Arwen, as in Liv Tyler. I don't think she was like sexually aggressive, particularly. I feel like she's more Michelle Pfeiffer. She's just always like swooning and feeling sad. Okay, sure. Um, Uma Thurman had as Frodo. Just cause he he seems the most impressionable and also young. Sure. So Arwen's gonna shag Frodo. Yeah. I don't think either of them are gonna enjoy that. No. <laughs> Okay, sure, sure. Michelle Five will be Aragon. I guess so good heart isn't just... Okay, sure. Oh, By the way, I've, I've gender switched everything here. No, I haven't. <laughs> Never mind, carry on. Okay. Um, Keanu Reeves, Sam Gamgee. Clearly the most boyish. Sure. So who's he having sex with? 
Keanu Reeves? Um, Gandalf. <laughs> Sam Gamgee and Gandalf. Okay. Oh, Boomer Thurman's Frodo. I've, I've not thought... Okay, so that's... Yeah, yeah. Okay, that, that works. I've not thought about, like, plot worries with this, because Bermanda wrote this when I didn't know the plot to the film. Okay, sure. <laughs> I'm just recasting. And Peter Capaldi's character would be Gimli. Sure, okay. Yeah. Okay, last one I got here. This one was a stretch, because, you know, I decided to do ten. Pulp Liaison. Pulp Liaisons, okay, sure. Glenn Close's character, Samuel L. Jackson. He'd have fun with it. He would, he would, he would, yeah. Mm. I wish he was just in this inconceivably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, John Malkovich, John Travolta. Yeah, sure. I think that one works. Uma Thurman, Uma Thurman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, Honey Bunny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keanu Reeves. What that one? Bruce Willis. I mean, I guess. I ran out of people to cast. Yeah, yeah, I, I can tell. And then Peter Capaldi, Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that was all those. Ten ideas. That's the most I've ever done. And the most I ever will do. Sure. Okay. Well, not doing that again. Some of them were good. Yeah. Some of them were. Next respect. time, please just pick a film that has a plot. Okay. Fair enough. I've learned a valuable lesson this week mm. about films that you don't like. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um, listen submissions. Let's get to some listener submissions. So Phil Better says, "I've never seen this movie, but my sequel is. It takes place in modern age. No, no, wait. It's with vampires. <gasps> Sparkling vampires. Wait, just make it Twilight. Okay. Um, and then Lee Yang, oh, patron supporter of ours, oh. um, says. Uh, Close Encounters of the Glen Kind. That's our season title. Mm-hmm. Was it? Okay, great. No, no, it should be. I said a closer look at Glen Close, but that's much better. Ah. Uh, oh, actually, looking at it, that, that is him suggesting a season title. Okay. Because you put an asterisk, I just copied and pasted your post. Oh, okay. You just put an asterisk saying we're still workshopping our title. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that's what he did there. So, okay. there it is. Cool. Great. So, I guess I've only got two sequel ideas, one of them for a different movie. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Great choice, John. Good one. Well, I have more, thank you. I I move in more sophisticated circles than you. Do you mean on the box set Twitter? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, Great. Uh, So, (laughs) Yevgeny Kotman said, Dangerous Liaisons in Space. Oh, yeah. Sounds like they've seen the film. Yeah. Duncan Flaster said, Two Liaisons, Two Dangerous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Park Parkinson said, Make it about teens again, but this time set it in the 80s and call it Risqué Business. So an 80s film called Risky Business with Tom Cruise, but Risqué because it's French. Okay, sure, sure. Oh, I didn't mention this film got remade as uh, Cruel Intentions. Oh, yeah, I, I, I did know that. I think I told you that last week, but not on the podcast. So maybe you'd like that more, I don't know. Mm. It's, the, it's the exact same story, but with teenagers mm. in, in high school. It's got Sarah Michelle Gellar in it, Selma Blair, Ryan Philippe. Nah, that's not what I'm thinking of. No. Uh, Daniel Barula. Ryan Philippe. Never heard that person before. You'd know if you saw him. He's been in things. Okay. Uh, Daniel Barula said, Dangerous Preaisons, a prequel. Hmm. Melissa Becker said, I mean, it's just a remake, but the evil couple just talks up and fucks the whole time while running manipulative scams and being sexy. So that's the first person I believe has actually seen this movie. Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Fanning. Did you bring a condom? What's a condom? Coming this summer. Look who's dangerous now. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah, look who's talking now. Look mm. who's talking. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing the, the, they have an evil baby is the idea there. Ah, okay. Okay, you're gonna like this one. Mm. You actually will. Mm-hmm. Andrew Russo said. I believe you said that last week, but sure. No, you really will. Andrew Russo said, "Dangerous Don Faison's. Every character is played by the guy who played Turk in Scrubs." Okay. Yes. Dangerous Don Faison's. Yep. Yep. That works. Yeah. Isaiah Han said, "Safe liaisons." Mm-hmm. Uh, Mick Murphy said, "Dangerous liaisons: The Crimes of Grindelwald." What? Dangerous Liaisons, The Crimes of Grindelwald. No, I heard you. I don't know what it means. Ah, so I'm watching this show, just said, one of my favourite movies of all time. Wow, okay. See? See? 
At MG Loves Fun, at Martin Gardner, said, It has John Malkovich in it. Sold. And at Gidget Von LaRue said, I adore this movie so much. So there you go, some fans. Okay, so you've got one person who's seen it and pitched the sequel and two people who just... Like the film, yeah. Really like the film. And a lot of people who were just spitballing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm chalking it up as a win. For what? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Even you normally have a lot more listen submissions than that. Fine, maybe it was an off week. <laughs> oh, great. Look, we've seen it now, it's done, it's mm-hmm. over with. Next week, we can all enjoy... Just tell me what next week is. We need to do our spiel first, huh? So those are our sequel ideas. So those are our listener submissions for this week. If you have any sequel ideas for Dangerous Liaisons or any films we've done in the past, please let us know. We are Beyond the Box Set. You can find us at beyondtheboxset.com. Our podcast is available on all good podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Acast, and more. Just search Beyond the Box Set. Uh, if, we, if we're not on a podcast network that you use, let us know. We'll try to get on it. We are also available on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Beyond the Box Set or at Beyond the Box Set on Twitter. Our Patreon is patreon.com forward slash Beyond the Box Set. We have exclusive merchandise at tpublic.com forward slash beyond the box set and we are a proud member of the pave media podcasting network helping you to connect to other podcasters and grow your audience so go to pavemedia.net or message us to find out more about that mm-hmm. and next week harry mm. i have another glenn close classic for you mm. but no i thought i would change the pace a little bit because i'm aware i've done two kind of 80s movies that maybe weren't your entire cup of tea well, they're not. well we'll see next week i thought we'd completely change tactics and we we're going to do a very funny film called mars attacks Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you feel better about that? I, mm, Have you seen it? No. Do you know anything about it? No. Tim Burton. Aliens. It's fun and camp and silly. You'll like it. Sure. You're, I really will be surprised if you don't like this one. Okay. I mean, don't just like come and not like it just out of spite now because not what you'll like. But. I mean, I can't be excited for anything after you've picked two duds in a row. All right. Don't be such a bitch about it. <laughs> These are both Oscar-winning films. Like. So? <laughs> so was Crash. Well, okay. Good burn on Crash. I can't argue with that. Yeah. Have you seen Crash? No. Okay, well, you just know I don't like it. <laughs> but I can burn on it. Okay, it's fair enough. Cool. Okay, so that, yes, yeah, so that was Dangerous Liaisons. I hope some of you enjoyed it. Please come back next week for Mars Attacks, which hopefully we'll be more enthusiastic about. Better be something. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's certainly something. Okay. And it's a very different kind of Glenn. Okay. Cool. So, thanks very much. Bye. I don't believe you tried to sell me on Glenn Close with... Fatal Attraction and Dangerous Liaisons. Well, they're her biggest, like, roles. So? (laughs) Bye. War.